Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. I think that would be us, right? I believe that it is us. Is it us or you? Uh, is it you or me? Well, it's Craig and Tim, so that would be you and me. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure because I know there was three of us in this room, but there's only two names. There's only two names for this one. We're going to introduce her later. Not like us and them. I'm going them. under the Pink Floyd. We were talking about Pink Floyd. Who's that first? No, that's what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's an Abbott Costello routine. Anyways, I was going to go with Pink Floyd, us and them, or we have somebody in here that has to do with money and, and finances. And saves you a lot of money. And saves a lot of money. We were going to go with, with money from Pink Floyd, but we didn't. So how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I, I heard you had a great weekend because you're starting to look like ZZ Top over there. You got yeah, the beards. I, I just decided not to shave. Actually, we went out to see Paradigm. Julie I and I went, I out, went out to the villages here in Central Florida, which is a collection of old people. Paradigm Party Band, they were on last week on the episode. Fantastic group of people. If you get a chance to book them, do that. But anyways, we are not here talking about Paradigm Party Band. We're here talking with somebody. But introduce yourself and how do people get a hold of you before we do anything else? I'm with Vets Growth. Phone number is 407-754-5779. If you have any interest or anything relocating from out of the military, trying to come down to Orlando, you want to call me because I'm going to be your sponsor, uh, Tim. Sponsor? I'm going to be the sponsor. Okay. What are you going to sponsor? I'm going to make sure that you have a place to stay when you get down here, where you want to get located. I know people that have, if you're trying to get a loan for your home, I know people. If you want to get a, a realtor, I got those people. We're here to help you. We've had a couple of realtors on in past episodes, so now we're going to have somebody in today that can help you once you do decide how to get your home and how to get it cheap and easy. And, and well, I don't know. You're not living in a tent no more. Maybe, maybe, maybe it isn't cheap and easy. But Angie's here today. And my, again, my name's Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, 407-862-6882 or tim at grpstudios.com. Angie is a mortgage broker. Now, we've had realtors on. We've had people in finance on, but nobody that has told you, okay, I need to buy a house. How do I do that? So, Angie, welcome today. Thank you. To the podcast. Thanks for being in here. Thanks for having me. You're, you're very welcome. You are a mortgage broker. That's me. Oh, what does that mean? Good question. I love that question. A mortgage broker means that I help people get into their home, their first home, their second home, their investment property home, their vacation home. I help people do that. And now rates are so incredible. Money's really cheap right now. So it's a really, really, really great time to purchase a home or an investment property. Cool. And we're going to talk about one of the programs that you... My are, favorite one. Your, well, your favorite one. It kind of ties with us because we are both veterans, but it's also about heroes and, and whatnot. But why did you get into this field? We had Jason Alderman and another realtor on there. We, we kind I know of tell him. Them I love him. There are only 10,000, I think, realtors in Central Florida, maybe close. Why do you do it? Probably the most incredible thing that happens... You come to me, we're going over credit, we're going over savings, we're going over income, we're doing all the paperwork, we're doing the process of getting you into your home. Closing day. 
Closing day, I get goose. Just saying the word closing day, I got goosebumps. Closing day, they get their keys. They get their keys on closing day. They own a home on closing day. That's why I do it. That there's nothing that I can describe to you that feeling when they've signed their last piece of paper and they get their keys. And they get their keys and walk in. We do, we have done in the past quite a bit of work for Habitat for Humanity. Oh, yeah. I volunteered for them before. That's one of the really cool things when they get their keys. Now, they put in a ton of sweat equity right. into their their purchase. It, they don't just hand them keys and say, here you go. They have to work for it, which I totally, I love that. totally agree with. Can you give me one example of somebody that was so thankful about what you had done for them and how hard you would work for them? Do you have one that you can remember off the top of your head? I do. My favorite person, I'm going to call her Joe, just to protect her identity. I worked with her alongside with the realtor that recommended her to me for a good year and a half. She had struggles, health issues, credit issues. The realtor and I worked her through the whole process. At the end, at the closing table, she gave me a three-page thank you letter thanking me. And I can't even remember everything that she said. I wish you had asked me. Yeah, I would have gladly brought it. Thanking me for everything that I did. But the, the bottom line and the closing of it was, Angie, you truly gave me my life back. And I did. I stuck with her. I helped her through all kinds of credit issues, the health issues. I actually went to go see her in the hospital when she was sick. Her mom even died during that year and a half. It was horrible. It was awful. She was taking care of her mom. I helped her. She didn't have a bed to sleep in because she gave her mom her bed. I went and got a futon for her. I mean, like, really, really, really helped her through all of these things. And then in the end, she got a house. She got keys. Which is fantastic. But why do you do this? I mean, other than other than that, what is there any other special? I mean, we're both veterans. You said something and before we went on the air about having family that is is military. So tell me I, about that. I come from a military family. My dad was a Marine. Oh, brother. Sorry. Wait a minute. Well, we got her on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have crayons? We'll take we'll, we'll okay. ship them to her. We, you know, Jason was on here a while ago. We make fun of Marines all the time because we don't have crayons. But again, they are brothers and sisters in arms, so we, we like to make fun of them. But I have a good. nephew in the Army. My dad's brother was a Marine. My grandfather was Navy. My mom's brother, I want to say, I think he was Navy as well. So I come from a military family. I have Air Force in my family. Just, I love giving back to veterans. Tell me briefly about the HEROES program that you're involved with. The HEROES program is amazing. The HEROES program gives back to veterans and first responders. And now they just included teachers in it. They give back our lender fees. Our lender fees are the processing fees and the underwriting fees. It's a part of the closing costs. Yep. And it equals $1,590. Oh, so is that like a, a rebate that they get back? It's a credit. It's a credit. Okay, it's they a credit get back. they get back. Yeah. So where does that cost? Who absorbs that cost? Because there is a fee to it. I mean, there is a cost. Is that part of the... The mortgage broker company that I work for, we absorb the cost because the processors and the underwriters do get paid to do your loan. Oh, yeah. My son works for the mortgage firm up in wherever that is, Altamont, and his wife is an underwriter and he's now doing something else. But it's it's very unique. I never understood all the complexities. We've had our home for, I don't know, 40 years. But what you do is challenging. What are some of the difficulties in just just connecting somebody with a loan? How, how, did, how does that all work? What do you have to do? That is a great question. I love that question. 
you have to have three things to get a loan. You have to have income. You have to have some kind of savings. And you have to have established credit. I deal with B paper and C paper and even D paper customers as far as credit goes. And I've been doing this long enough that if there's some things we can do to tweak your credit or to help your credit so that you can get into the home, I can coach you on that. And I also have credit coaches as well that I can refer people to that actually that's what they do for a living is they fix people's credit. So when you talk about providing homes for heroes, let's start with veterans. Do you work with VA loans for veterans? And how does that? That's my favorite loan. Why is that your favorite loan? Because the only thing they have to come up with is closing costs. And if you have a really good realtor, a lot of times the closing costs can be negotiated in the home so they can hold on to their cash. And now money's so cheap right now. Oh my gosh. I They can hold on to their money and borrow the 100% of it and get into a home and start making their mortgage payment on their home and hold on to their cash. And then they can fix it up or buy furniture or whatever they want to do with the house. You already know about the programs when they come into it. If you're a veteran and they come to you or they come to the realtor, hopefully you have a, a great relationship with realtors, I would imagine. That's a really good statement. I do have a great relationship with realtors. I would love to have a great relationship with every realtor in the community because I love working with with realtors. That's where I get my business from. And most people do this kind of backwards. They go to the realtor first and say, I want to buy a house. And the realtor says, well, where's your pre-approval letter? And they're like, oh, I don't have a pre-approval letter. And then the realtor send them to me to get pre-approved. They really should come to me first and get pre-approved before they go to the realtor so that they know how much money they can spend on a house. And so that we've worked out all the kinks of their finances instead of finding this house that they're in love with. And then I go to pull their credit and I find out, you know, they forgot to pay their gas bill 40 years ago and now it's still on their credit or something. I mean, not 40 years ago, but seven years ago when it's still on their credit and we got to get it off or something like that. So it's better to come to me first, make sure there's no surprises on the credit, make sure the income is good. I'll do what's called debt to income ratios and credit to debt ratios. I'll run all the numbers. I'll run all of those things and tell them exactly how much money they can afford to buy a house. Then they go see their realtor. And a good realtor, if I tell them they can buy a $250,000 house, a good realtor is going to start a little bit lower. They're going to start in the 225 range and then go up to 250. A good realtor is not going to say, okay, they can afford 250,000. Let me go show them 300 or 350 because they can't afford that. So a good realtor will keep them in their price range. And most a, a good realtor doesn't want to show them something that's above their price range because it's kind of like going from filet mignon to hamburger. Once you see the expensive house, you don't want the one that you can afford. Yeah, we watch, my wife and I watch a lot of home improvement shows. And one of the things that just baffles me to no end is a realtor will take them. So I'm looking for a three bedroom, two bath, split level home. And I take them to these colonial style homes and all this other stuff. I'm like, well, did you that's not, not what listen? they asked for. That's not what they asked right. for. Right. I see that all the time. We do like watching Property Brothers because Property Brothers uses that in the exact same way except opposite. They'll take you to that half million dollar home and say, wow, this is great. But your budget doesn't support that. So what you need to do now, we're going to take you to a home that we can work within your budget and make into that forever home for you. So, But I didn't realize that you should start with your end first. Most, I should most be people the first don't stop. know that. So I have a question. So if they come to you first, do you, after you get them all situated of what they can afford, do you recommend a realtor or do how do you help that situation? If they don't have one, absolutely. I have some really, really, really good realtors that I recommend. Okay. So what makes you different? Because there are less mortgage brokers out there 
than there are realtors. So how do you get the word out that, hey, you need to come to me to finance your home? What's the best way for you to do that? I come to things like the Tim and Craig podcast. So what's, wow. her, infor- Wait a minute. what's her information? What's her phone you number? You know, we didn't do that. So before we go oh, any gee. farther, let's yes, give me. people your information on how to get a hold of you. 321-436-5672. And if they have an email they want to contact you at? Just text me. Just text you. Call okay. me or text me. That's and then Craig. I'll send you the email. I'll send you the link and you can apply for the loan and all that. But I want to talk to you first. I need to make sure that we have a good understanding of what income is. Because student loans are not income. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you say that because we've talked to so many kids. Yes. Kids that, well, yeah, I'm, I'm living off my student loan. You do understand what a student loan is for. It's for you to go to school, not to live off of. And it's but, a debt. It's not an yeah. income. Yeah. It's a debt. We, I want to come back and talk some more stuff about heroes and how you get into the program, how you identify that. Is it equal across the board? Is it just as easy for a veteran to come in as a teacher or first responder? So I'm assuming police, fire, who else would be besides? Is that it? Just police and fire and police, military? Police, fire, paramedics, okay. teachers. Nurses. Nurses. Okay. So that kind of thing. Not LPNs. LPNs. So nurses will qualify for this as well. Yes. And are there any guidelines to minimums for anything coming in? It's just you just have to be one of these personnel. Right. Or like military will do spouses of military as well. Okay. Active duty, retired, honorable discharge. Yep. So wait a minute. So you're saying a spouse who doesn't work will file for her husband's income to get a house? Yes. Because they're married? Yes. Wow. Or usually if a spouse, usually if it's a spouse, the, the veteran is usually deceased. Okay. That, well, and so they they get the benefits through that way. So, well, okay, I get it. I get it. What, well, what it is is, okay, so if, if the gentleman is like a retired E9, let's say he's getting 6000 a month, the spouse gets half. He, she doesn't get the full amount as he would. So she gets 3000 to 6000 That's called a survival benefit plan. That's why they would have to come to her so she can look Right. That income and all the things. And actually, they should listen to Tommy's episode because that ties in with what we're talking about. Exactly. Of all the benefits the spouses are entitled to that they don't even know about. You're exactly right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of times that I'm talking to somebody that's wanting to purchase a house. And in talking with them, she'll say something about, oh, you know, my husband was military. And, I'm, and I'll look at her and be like, well, why aren't we doing a VA loan? Well, because I wasn't in the military. My husband was. And that's why, like, episode 32 and 33... If they listen to those to help your episode, it's going to be a win-win for that person. Tommy had some great information, stuff that we didn't even know about. No. I don't take care of a lot of the benefits that you take care of. Craig's retired. So I get he free band-aids. Tim has to pay for I his. have to pay for my band-aids. So, <laughs> well, we're going to come back in the second half here and talk a little bit more about what it is you do and some more details on the HERO program. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. If you have that entrepreneurial spirit and are looking to start your own business or are an established business owner looking to expand to the next level, SCORE is here to help you. SCORE is a national organization supported by the U.S. Small Business Administration that provides free business counseling and business resources to help you succeed. To find a SCORE chapter near you, 
go to score.org. We are back with the second half of Working with Heroes is what we're calling today with the young lady, Angie, that is in here, mortgage broker. We've had realtors on, so now we're going to talk to a mortgage broker. Before we we did it last half of the show, how do people get a hold of Angie? Call me, 321-436-5672. You're like, Craig, you just like text me. I'm like, no, send me an email so I can actually look at it. Like, Craig, text me. I tell you, it, it seems, you know, you say that. And it's so funny, I get way more texts, tons of texts versus emails. In fact, I just cut off my Facebook. I'm so happy. Texas? I just deleted everything. You get a bunch of Texas? Texas. Do you get Texas. Dallas's? In fact, I'm going to probably San Antonio. You want to go with me? No. Okay. No, that'll bring back too many memories. <laughs> so Angie is in the house today talking about being a mortgage broker. So let's take a half a step back and say, all right, I'm, I need a home. I need a mortgage. And my realtor says, give me your whatever your financials. So I come to you and Angie, I just got out of the military. I want to buy a house. I understand I got these great programs or I'm a teacher. I just got hired for this year. I want to buy a house. What do I need to bring you? Great question. You have to have a job. I got to be able to prove that you can pay the loan back. If we're lending you $300,000 to buy a home, I got to be able to prove that you can make those payments and pay it back. So you have to have a job. You have to have steady income. You don't have to have that steady income for two years, especially if you've just gotten out of the military. But there's certain types of jobs that I need different things. So it depends completely, totally on the type of job that you get. If you're salaried, that's golden. If you just get out of the military and you have a salaried job, all I need is your letter, your hire letter. And, you know, where it breaks down exactly what you're going to be making and how you're going to be paid, et cetera. All I need is a pay stub, two pay stubs from that. So here's another theory. So I'm coming out of the military with four years. I don't have a job lined up, but I do have a hefty bank account saying, okay, Craig, you can have $200,000 home. That's your max. So if I say, hey, I'm going to give you $100,000 in cash, but I do have money in the bank to cover my mortgage for the next 30 years. Is that doable? Good question. If you have enough money to pay cash for the house, but because money's so cheap, you don't want to tie up all of your cash, I can do what's called an asset loan. And that's doable. Definitely a doable loan. Probably a little bit more recommended to get your job and let's use your pay stubs, but I can absolutely do an asset loan because it ties up those assets if I do an asset loan. A lot of veterans who have gone to the war many times, they get a disability. And I heard this recently and it really, really upset me. And they says, well, we, we go after veterans because the first thing they were asking me uh, this weekend said, what's your disability percentage? I'm like, why? Well, then we know how much money you're going to bring in to help get your home. I'm like, no, that's not what you go after. And that really upsets me. So is that the same process that most people go? It's like if they get like 50% of a disability and it, it kind of ranges in different categories. Do you go after that or do you try to make them use that? Disability is income. It's absolutely something that I can use to get them into the home. But now that is actually for medical reasons. Correct. To go, if they got bad back, chiropractors. So how do you swing that and say, okay, we know that you make X amount of dollars here, and then you have to go and get your medical procedures because of your disability? The medical procedures are normally covered under the VA. The disability is normally the income. They're, they're, if, it's, if you're talking about disability income, because I have done loans for veterans that 
have disability income. They, they have it for life. That's income. I'm able to use that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the disability they get paid that is, if you're not living near a military installation or like the VA that we have here locally, you can go there, but they don't have chiropractors. They sublet that out. So they have to use that pay that they're getting to make that work. Well, that would probably be something that you would take into consideration as you're looking at their total finances. If they're getting just their disability and they're not getting anything else, that's going to be a pretty small margin for them to use. You don't want to use, and we've seen people do this, use your disability to buy your home. Well, then now you have nothing else available for you unless you have another job. But it's kind of semantics to me. If you have a job and you're getting X amount, you have a disability, you're getting X amount, it really doesn't matter which money you're using. You're right. It's all the same thing. Right. So let's go with a teacher. Okay. I'm a, I've just been hired. I start the school year. How much of a history do I have to have if I've only been with the school for three months? Well, teachers are salaried. So because they're salaried, I'm able to use their hire letter. So you're looking at their forecast for the entire year. Correct. Okay. Because they're, they're salaried. Right. Hourly is different. Our, hourly, I have to calculate the income a little bit differently, but salary is golden. Salary is really easy. Now, my son did just purchase a home here recently that's being built. Awesome. We told him to use your wage, use your regular wage, don't use overtime. Is that something that you would recommend to people? If you're if you're not salary, if you're hourly and your wage is $20 an hour and you just happened for the past six months to be working a lot of overtime, do you tell them to count that in with their salary or you say, yeah, just go ahead and take that because what if your overtime runs out? That's a great question. That's one of the things that we ask the employer when we do a verification of income is how likely is it that the overtime is going to continue? Because if the overtime is not going to continue, then that's not something that we would use. But if the overtime is plentiful and they're able to have it for the the duration of their job, we would be able to use that income. But I'm really glad that you talked about what income should you use. So for example, I know what I can afford when I'm buying a house. I, I know what is coming in. And I know what I can afford. And I know I have a lot of living expenses that don't show up on my credit report. Yep. For example, I've got four kids. All of them are athletes. Club volleyball, club soccer, club, you know, AAU, baseball, softball, football, cheer, you, every sport under the sun, basketball. All of those sports are extremely expensive. They don't show up on my credit report. But I know that those are my expenses. So when I'm calculating my money that's coming in every month, I know what I can afford to pay for my mortgage payment and my taxes and my property insurance and all of that. I know what my payment is. What I qualify for on paper is much, much higher than what I know that I can afford because there's a lot of expenses that I have that I know that I have. So I would never get in over my head. You know, I wouldn't go by that paper. That paper is going to tell me I can afford a lot more. And I tell people that, you know, your expenses and I'll tell you the highest that you qualify for. But if you've got a bunch of expenses that are not showing up on the credit report because of your lifestyle, you need to minus that out and let's get you, you need to select a house that's in that price range, not the price range that shows up on the paper. Do you see people anymore doing starter homes? And what's, it's hard here in Central Florida because I don't think they build starter homes anymore. Like a two-bedroom, one-bath home that you start out. They're just hard to find. Where, where, where are those at? Because everywhere I drive around, I'm, we live in Winter Park. Now, we live on a very unique portion of Winter Park. We're not in Winter Park, Winter Park. We just were absorbed into Winter Park about 10 years ago. They don't build all of the homes like ours, the two-bedroom, one-bath, three-bedroom, two-bath, small, under 1,500 square feet. 
As soon as they go on the market, they scrape them. They build a McMansion, as we call them. Mm-hmm. Do people do that anymore? Do they start, hey, I want to find a, a small home that I can get into for 150000 and stay in it for five years, build my equity, and then move on? Starter homes. Absolutely. There's starter homes everywhere. In oh. fact, one of my favorite customers, uh, oh gosh, I helped this guy probably about 10 years ago. He was so smart. Young kid. Young, 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 smart kid. He had bought his first home. It was a one-one, little one-bedroom, one-bathroom house. And I, I think he paid like $30,000 for it. He paid it off and rented it out and then bought his second home. And he got a two-one and paid it off and rented it out. Fast forward to when I finally started doing loans for him, he already had like five houses, all paid off. He lived in them until he paid them off and then rented them out. And then he got married and started having kids. He ended up having like five kids. So they had like this humongous five bedroom house that I ended up doing several loans for him, that I ended up doing that loan for him. And that was where he needed to be. And that was where he wanted to get to. But he did it all by buying the starter homes and he wouldn't even sell them. He would hold on to them. And once he paid them off, he was great at paying his bills off. Yeah. Wow. Did he write a book so we can still read I know, this right? Book? Well, right? you know, it all, uh, to me personally, it all goes back to what are you content with? Because I know a lot of people see their parents and their parents may have a nice home because their parents have been together for 30 years right. or whatever. Well, you know, I want the three bedroom, two bath, 2,500 square foot home with two car garage and all these amenities. I want it when I'm 25 years old. I want what my parents have now. Yeah, I want what they worked 40 years for. I want to have it now. So I'm glad to hear you say that that is still out there. We just don't see it. Driving around Central Florida, I don't see it. Unless I, you I buy an existing. Tim, we, we've been looking for a downsized home to come out of a 4,000 square house that we want to go to like maybe 1,200. I would love to go to 1,200. I love 1,200 homes. I can't find them. Oh, I'll help you. I'm not a realtor, but I know where they are. And I know realtors that know where they are. So what are some of the challenges that you have in doing your job? What, what is, give me a couple of the biggest challenges that you have. Is it finding clients? Is it, what are the challenges that you have right now? I feel like I might be the best kept secret in Orlando. No, that's, that's, I'm sorry, that's, that's already taken. Score is the best kept secret. In, you can be the best kept secret in Central Florida. Okay. Because they say Orlando. Okay. okay. So you're the best kept secret. Why? My entire business is on word of mouth. Everything is referrals from a realtor that has a client that's been with me or a client that's done alone with me. Everything is word of mouth. It's all who you know. So how do you then get your word out to people other than being on a podcast like this and working with realtors? How do you get your word out? What's the best way for a mortgage broker to get their word out about what they do? Reaching out to realtors and just talking to as many people as I can. Every single human being that I talk to either owns a house, should own a house, or knows somebody who should or is. With the way that rent is going now for apartments, to me, it just makes a whole lot of sense. That's what our son did. Finally go buy a house. He said, Dad, I'm going to pay $1,500 a month for rent, which is just kind of flushing it down the toilet. Might as well put it in a shredder. Is there a typical time frame, and I know this is... How, what does it take to, to build a car? How much does a car cost? Is there a typical time frame that it takes a loan to process? Or what does it depend on? Great question. Usually rule of thumb is 30 days. Sometimes it's 45, sometimes it's 60. It depends on the buyers. It depends on the sellers. It depends on the situation. 
if somebody is transferring down here from up north, they usually want like a 60 day because they need to pack up their house and, and drive it down here from wherever they're from. But usually rule of thumb, when you're submitting a contract, the seller wants to close in 30 days. Not always, but that's generally what it is, is 30 days. So you can expect at least if you're out there looking for a home and you've already gone to you and you've gotten all the financials together and you find a good realtor that you like, when you find a home, you better jump on it because the way homes are With both are hands and now, both feet, yeah. yeah. They're going now. They are. Is, how, does that work in the benefit of you or the, who does it, is it a seller's market or is it a buyer's market right now? It is a seller's market right now in a certain price range. The houses that you're saying 350 and lower, those houses, if you find one that you like, grab a hold of it with both hands and both feet and don't lowball them because they probably have 15 offers on the table. Along with a the realtor, they're going to select the best one, the strongest buyer. I could probably put my house on the market today. I could sell it by this afternoon. It's a two bedroom, one bath, 1100 square feet. It's a great starter home for people, but my taxes are insanely low where we're at. I don't want to sell it and I don't want to go back into debt again, but because I would have a hard time finding the same thing we have in the price range range without having to repair it. So the question it, so. I have, let's say all cash in. So you're saying if there's a house that he wants in 350, now you don't know until you really start talking to him and all of a sudden now you've got a bidding war. So what is the process that say, hey, I can pay 350000 for that house, but then I'm a veteran and I'm coming out with not $350 all cash in. So do you tell these people, say, hey, that's the house. I really want that house. What do you tell them? Stay I'm within not- your stay within your budget. Because get, you get, this is where I think people get sucked in. I love a house. I want it. And now you get into a bidding war. And before you know it, you're 20000 30000 over your cap. Well, that can't happen. Especially if you're a veteran and you're using your VA loan. I can't lend above market value for the house. Same thing with a conventional loan. Same thing with an FHA loan or any loan. I cannot lend above market value for the house. They can pay. They would have to come up with money themselves if they wanted to say, here's the loan value. Which I would highly not recommend. I would highly, highly, highly not recommend that anybody pay above market value for the house. So if a realtor finds a house for them and the realtor thinks that it's going to appraise for the $350,000, and let's say the house is on the market for three twenty-five. The realtor might say, I really feel confident that this house is going to appraise at $350,000. I think that they listed it low. I think it, you know, that would be a fair offer for you to offer. As long as they qualify for the $350,000, then yes, we'll do it all day long. However, you have a contingency on the contract. And like I said, I'm kind of walking in the realtor's waters right now. There's a contingency on the contract that's contingent upon the appraisal. So when the appraisal comes back, if it's lower, The realtor would then go to the seller to renegotiate that price. The seller at that point in time has the right to say, no, I don't want to budge on my price. I want $350,000. The buyer at that point in time has the right to say, okay, I'll pay the extra $25,000 or I'll walk. So what happens about these homes? You see my DIY, they're trashed, but the house is listed at like $350,000 and you go, you know, I love this house, but I'm going to have to replace the kitchen. Mm. I'm going to have to replace this. I'm going to have to replace that. So what are your now steps to saying, hey, listen, we love the house, but I'm going to have to put all this money into it just to replace the items that are not working? That is a great question. And it depends on so many different things. And there's so many different ways that I can help people that are wanting to buy a fixer upper. I can give you a couple of examples. And these are just the tip of the iceberg of how I can help them. One way that I can help them is I can do what's called a construction to perm loan which is offering them the value of the property of what it's going to be like once they're done, once they're done with all the renovations that they're going to do. I would need the plans and the specs. 
I would need to know who's doing the job. I would have to vet that person, that builder that's going to be doing all of those jobs or the contractor. And a lot of times owner builders, especially veterans, they know how to do all of that stuff. They'll just hire the subcontractors. They'll just see it themselves and they'll hire the plumbers and the electricians and the drywall guy. You know, they know all of those people and they, they do that. And that's a very common thing. But I would do it as a, a VA construction of home loan. Or a lot of times because they're using their VA loan and they've got cash, they'll go ahead and put their cash in for the renovations. They'll just get the loan for the as-is house, 100% for the as-is house, and then they fix it up as they go. That's what a lot of veterans do. Once they've finished the whole project, if they need their cash back, then they'll come to me and they'll do a refinance of it. It's called a cash out refinance and they'll get their cash back and put their cash back in a lot of times another property. Who determines, like you see on the show, say, well, this home, we're buying a fixer up home and the cops are like 350 and this home is this. Now, once you reestablish, you redo all your home inside the way that you're hoping to be, does that increase the value of the home, even though the comps are low? You know, it's funny because we could get deep into the weeds on this, I know. But again, we watch a lot of those shows. Right. I know a lot of them it's made for TV, but Flip or Flop is one. Love It or List It is another where you go in, you redo your home, and then we're going to either love it the way it is or we're going to list it. And he shows the, this is now the new value of your property. Right. And for us in Winter Park, it's not my home. It's not worth 280000 The land is worth that. The dirt. The dirt is worth that. The home is... I live in Winter Park, too. Yeah. And would... there are certain parts of Winter Park on one side, the dirt is way more expensive across the street than it is on the other side of the street. Yeah, if you're yeah. in Orange County, Winter Park, or some of the And I'm in Orange Winter County, Winter Park, Park yeah. and that it's the dirt's more expensive in Orange County, it Winter is. Park. Well, we could have covered a ton more stuff that we didn't. We're going to head out today. Again, if people need to get a hold of you, text you. The number is... 321-436-5672. And she'll get everything together for you, hopefully. Right? All I can say is, hey, we had a series of three people on, a veteran and another person that has interstate, and now we got Angie. Those three should be working together. If you can't buy a house, you're out of luck. We'll check you next time. See you. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.